Welcome to another special crossover edition of All Eyes on Cleveland and the OBR Film Breakdown. I am Brad Ward and the host of All Eyes on Cleveland and the host of the OBR Film Breakdown is Jake Burns, the great Jake Burns. He's right here with me. How are we doing, Jake? Hey, I'm great, Brad. I'm great, man. Just watch the Cavs make a pick of a player whose name I cannot pronounce. I think Hard he's a good say. shooter. But uh, a little older, and I'm, you know, a little older, just like Andrew Barry's methods. Older is not better in the draft unless you are a really well-defined player. Seems like the kid can shoot, but he cannot uh, create or do any of those really fun things. So I don't know. I got no opinion on this one way or the other than he's older. He better be pretty good when he gets into the league right away, right? Yeah. How tall is he? Six six, so he's he's definitely a two guard. He's kind of seems like the opposite of a Coro, where he's a shooter, and they they got guys they think can create off the dribble, right? So between Garland and Karis Levert, and I don't know if Levert will be back, but guys who can create off the dribble a little bit, so they feel like they've needed somebody to fill that shooter role. Makes uh, me wonder what they want to do with Sexton. Uh, yeah, that's them a good taking another two guard type. You know, I, I that's interesting. Something to think about. We know nothing, the, though. You're not yeah. coming to this podcast for Brad and Jake's NBA thoughts, but Very we, held true. Out to see the, we held out to see the pick. We'll see if any trades transpire off of that. But for Very now, true. that's what we know. Yeah. An eventful week here, Jake. Uh, so, well, sort of, yeah, an eventful week. Uh, let's talk real quickly. Deshaun Watson settles 20 of 24 cases. Um, you know, we talked – Right after the press conference, me and you did. Remember that? We did that React show right after the press conference. And, uh, you know, it, it was the first time, really, I talked on the subject. You know what I mean? But I just, if you remember I asking you that night, like, isn't there some value in just moving on from this thing? And yep. I just think it got to the point, Jake, where it's just, it just wasn't really feasible anymore. To, to Even if he wanted to clear his name, it's just... You're just making it harder on everybody, including himself at that point, I think. Yeah, I don't – like I said from the beginning, man, I don't think he's going to clear his name. I I mean, even if he wins civil cases, I still think people are going to continue to say what they say about him. Like I don't – I think at this this stage – and I'm not saying he's guilty or innocent. I'm just saying I I, I really don't see a path to clearing his name. And I think some of that could be what they talked about behind closed doors, and they just said – that the only solution here is that the time is the great healer and they need to move on. Like, and I think most people are there. I think even the most ardent uh, people against Deshaun Watson understand that the punishment, at least those who live in the real world here is that the punishment will be at the maximum a year long suspension. Well, I have to tell you, he's going to come back and play like 10 more years after that. So even if you do get the, the luxury where you feel vindicated and that's fine, uh, some people are seeking that. They think that's enough. Like he's going to get suspended for the year. If that's the situation, he's still going to have a lot of football left. So, you know, at this point, I think everybody from every angle is just tired of it. And they, they we all have come to understand that there's going to be no criminal um, court cases. There's going to be no vind- – if you're an, against Watson, there's no vindication in criminal court. So the civil court stuff is going – it would have been long drawn out. It still could be. There's still four cases here with some women yeah. who claim that they will never take a settlement. So we could see some court stuff happen. But for the most part, I think those will eventually settle. And you're just talking about – everyone should just move on. These the, the only part when the criminal stuff decided that it wasn't going to happen, uh, the, the folks down there in the grand juries decided it wasn't going to happen, the only means to what could be if the, if the party is guilty in Watson – 
the only means for any sort of uh, what do they call it uh, restitution or mm-hmm. uh, whatever is money and and then that money is is uh, is going to happen with settlements and uh, again I think that people misconceive a settlement being a an admission of guilt I don't think that's the case here I think that the NFL definitely had a hand in pushing this in one direction there's not a doubt sure. in my mind the NFL and this is something that people need to understand in general is that the suspension process and what the NFL is doing and in the NFLPA representing Watson, it is very much a negotiation. They're trying to find happy ground on what the NFL thinks a suspension should be and what Watson is willing to partake in based on what the NFLPA thinks is fair. If they can't come to a happy medium, which today we saw from Josina Anderson that they did not have any progress in those talks, then there's going to have to be an arbitrator and a decision made and that's where it's going to end up. And that ending up point is is largely the NFL telling Watson, settle these, get it over with. Everybody in this scenario needs to move on. It's the There is no grand answer. If you're seeking a grand guilty or not guilty answer, you're not going to find it. So your right. belief is your belief. And it's just it's just at this point, everybody needs to move on from it and and, and just understand the way the process is with, any job for somebody without a background check issue. Like he's just, he's going to play eventually he's going to play and you're probably not going to like it. If you're against Watson, if you're for Watson, you probably think he should play sooner. So I don't know, 20 of 24, we'll see if the last four close out. But to me, Brad, it's like, it's a, it's a first step in the right direction of just let's, let's just get this over with. And, um, you know, we're tired of talking about it. You're tired of listening to us talk about it. Uh, and, and I'm sure that everybody involved from the females involved in the in the case to Watson as the defendant, everybody's just tired of it. So if they can get some money out of it and, and that does some modicum of, of, uh, of good for their life, then OK, that's fine, too, I guess. I don't know. So I, there is no winner. I know we said it at the beginning, and I think we go back to that show like there is no winner here. There is nobody who comes out of this a winner. So. Um, move on, man. We just got it. We just got to hopefully this gets settled and the, and the decision is made by mid July and there's a moving on point. Totally agree. And, and it would, uh, behoove Watson, I think to maybe not, but to like, as you mentioned, the Justina Anderson tweet, and I was going to mention that too. I mean, like this is the NFL's version of like a plea agreement, right? Like, so like if they can come, to some sort of a middle ground that they can live with. I think Watson will be better off if they can negotiate some kind of a uh, equal ground there than if going to an arbitrator, in my personal opinion, to you know, in the appeals process and all that. I, I just feel I like agree. if they can, if they can come to an agreement, I think he's better off. He'll get a better outcome that way, in my opinion. I may be way off, but that's just what it seems like to me. It feels like it's. That. It still feels like eight to twelve is the range. I think it could get gnarly and be a season, mm-hmm. but again, in the long scope of what I do covering this team and you do too, Brad, and it's gonna he's gonna eventually play. I mean, he's gonna eventually play. It's gonna stink to have uh, him miss a whole season for the investment of other players and a lot of things. But the Browns see this window as much longer than one year. So, uh, yeah, he's going to eventually play, and I, I just don't know when that will be. But, you know, we'll we'll sort that out when the decision gets made. But the conjecture, I think, still should sit 8 to 12, and we'll see if they try to, to loop it into a full year. And if they do try to do that, what he can do to combat that based on the NFLPA's strong stance they're taking 
to back him, right? With the with the uh, representation they have brought in and holding owners under the fire for their missteps and decision making yeah. and what they've done. So it could get really ugly for the NFL, and I'm sure the NFL doesn't want to see a courtroom either for this. So yeah, you know, we'll see, man. But as uh, nothing has changed, you know, the the settling of twenty of twenty four, it has changed. But there's still four looming cases, and even if Deshaun Watson had just four cases, Brad, it would be a big deal. So it it, it cannot be glossed over that like it's still four cases out there that are still potentially going to go to a place that nobody wants to go. So when those are settled, that would be a really big step in finishing and kind of putting a uh, you know zipping the door here uh, all the way, so to say. But until then, I still find it hard to believe the NFL will hand out some sort of finite suspension until those other four are solved. And and that means if that's the case, he could see week one. I, I don't know. So, uh, I'm, But again, I think we're all hoping, Brad, that, that mid-July this, this sorts itself out in some sort of final decision. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think we get it here uh, mid-July. And if those were to settle, Jake, I think we could possibly even get it sooner. Uh, you know, settle the other four. I mean, that that the settling of these cases ultimately immediately affects the timeline. I think somewhat, especially if they close all or settle all of them. And then also the last thing I'll say on on it is is that you know Watson, um, the NFL came out and basically said this doesn't change anything in our you know punitive uh, outcomes or, or you know our process here. Well. I don't believe you. Uh, I think that it does help your situation. <laughs> I yeah, I, I think it It definitely it definitely does, in my opinion. So they're going to say what they need to say, but yeah, it, it's going to play a factor. And I think the NFL is heavily involved in the decision behind making those settlement decisions. You know, for Watson to continually say, I want to defend my name, defend my name, defend my name, and then, oh, all of a sudden, 20 of 24 are gone. Well, hey, you know, the NFL might be saying this will work out heavily in your favor if you settle these things. So it's yeah. just it's just one plus one equals two thing to me there. I mean, it's not it's not confirmed, but I, I don't know how else you can really get there out of out of the blue. This decision was made. So we'll see. Yeah, you got to push from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, it may have been most likely the NFL, maybe a little bit of the Browns, too. I don't know. But they they did say they were going to stay out of it, but I don't know. Yeah, at this really. point, they may have had their hand on him too, on his back as well, in my opinion. But yeah, uh, all right, let's talk Baker Mayfield real quick, right? So you know, n- no, there's no market for Baker. Nobody cares. Nobody knows what's going to happen. And then we have mini camp and uh, OTAs, mandatory, mini- and all of a sudden we got some interest, right, Jake? Here, uh, the yeah. Panthers first, and now uh, what sounds like some serious interest from Seattle. They must have not liked what they saw. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if these two teams are creating leverage. I'm not entirely sure what's going on. Maybe, maybe these leaks are coming from like the Brown side. I'm, I'm not like there's, there's potential where you try to create leverage, and these leaks that get out to Josina and Aaron Wilson and these people who are sort of uh, on the underbelly of covering the NFL here, not the biggest names in the world, but people who definitely feel like they have a pulse. Uh, is that both teams are still interested in Mayfield, and and the, tonight's case was a. Uh, which Seattle's been more outwardly, uh, I guess, tweeted about being tied to Mayfield recently. And that tonight they confirmed, air quote confirmed, that, that Mayfield had interest from Seattle and he has interest in Seattle. And uh, there's talk about a deal that would come like a trade and a potential uh, contract extension or whatever. 
I don't know, man. I, I know this could be coming from this could be coming from the Browns to to create leverage. I, I don't I don't know. I know that these two teams continue to make a ton of sense. I could live in a world where both teams saw both of their quarterbacks in camp. Uh, and we know Seattle has Drew Locke and and uh, Geno Smith, and we know Carolina's Matt Darnold, and, and they brought in Matt Corral, and they could have saw Corral and, and been like, this isn't going to work. So I, I think it, it's it's in the very realistic realm where both teams saw minicamp OTAs, and they're like, we can't put this on the field. So, yeah, yeah. I, listen, I still think Mayfield gets traded. I'm not sure the timeline. I think that there's a, a really good chance because the smoke has been growing recently that he gets traded in July, but the Browns have always been known to, to play this out to gain leverage. They've been known to have a plan in place because the money they owe him isn't due until the first week uh, until we get a final answer on this, which is, uh, is, is almost going to be surreal when it happens because we've been talking about it or thinking about it for so long. Uh, it, we don't, you know, it's, it's an annoying thing to talk about, but I still think Seattle or Carolina end up with him before, before training camp. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree. It's funny to talk about, like, all of a sudden, though, they're throwing extension out there. Like, that's so crazy. Yeah. Like, like a week or two weeks ago, they didn't want him at all, or, or supposedly, or whatever. So, just interesting. Things change quickly, right? So, or at least... They uh, could. The, the appearance, <laughs> the report, of, the, right. the appearance yeah. of things, right? I, I uh, would probably, if I traded for Mayfield, though, if I believed in him enough to trade for him, I would... I would probably be interested in some sort of contract movement with him i I mean like if you were gonna take a risk on him i would i would do it at his lowest possible value wouldn't you i mean if you think he's a quarterback you can play and is going to be a successful player and thus dealing for him and he comes in and has say he comes in and has a great season which i don't think i think that's going to happen but it could you know there's a way in which you could build that 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 idea here where getting him in having a heavily incentive laden deal where Mayfield's probably eager to publicly get it out there that he got a contract extension from somebody you could probably get a ton of team beneficial things built in there to get out of it at certain points and at that point too to me if you waited and he had a great year you're you're then paying him you're in the similar situation to Cleveland right so um yeah, I could, I could kind of. It's not totally crazy, but I'm glad the Browns aren't making that choice anymore. I'll say that <laughs> for sure. We've had that discussion all too much. Now we're talking about another team having it, so yeah. that's okay. That's fine with me. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Jake, you've been doing a uh, tremendous series over on the OBR Film Breakdown uh, 2022 audio season preview, breaking down different positions, looking at the season ahead here. Uh, we have a couple receivers to look at here tonight, correct? Yeah, let's talk about Anthony Schwartz and David Bell. So yesterday I did a show with John Colosimo where we talked about uh, we talked about Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, and we laid out some thoughts for them and why they're so important. These two guys are also really important. It'll be a lot of AYOs after this. I say that as all you others. Uh, it's kind of what this kind of a coaching term, but like uh, we'll talk about those guys over the weekend. But these guys are going to be important uh, of the top four. So we we should talk Anthony Schwartz first, a guy people who some people think seem to think has a chance to be cut. And I I don't I don't totally disagree. If he is terrible in camp, a terrible in the preseason, there is a cut possibility. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's far fetched. Giving him another year makes a ton of sense to me. Um, but when you look back on last year, the data was not all too kind, right? He only had two games with, with receiving grades above 70. That was Green Bay week 16 where he only hauled in one catch for five yards, but it was a touchdown. And then his week one just weirdly high-volume target situation where he got mm-hmm. five targets and three catches for 69 yards. Nice. So I don't know, man. He is a man of mystery. He has an obvious trait that should be enough to keep him around most rosters. Uh, it wasn't good enough to really flash. The speed stuff did not flash last year. He did some return game. Um, I'll have to look at that real quick to see what he did in terms of the number of punt re- punt and kick returns that he had. I think he had some kick return opportunities he did. 30, 36 15. kick returns, um, 11 punt returns. Am I wrong? That's that might right, be I college. I see, for, according to Pro Football Focus, he did not have a punt return because those went to Felton, but he had 15 kick returns for 322 yards, a 21.5 average. He, I think, did he get the gnarly concussion on a kickoff return against New England? I think that's where he yeah, got he a did. pretty bad concussion. So I don't know. I mean, they could run him out as a kick returner, but I talked about this with Felton on punt returns. It feels like those are going to be banned by Jakeem Grant, both of those. So I think that opportunity starts sure. to fade away. Other special teams that he was a part of, uh, he was a part of uh, not really much else. He only had 11 punt return snaps as a as a uh, outside wall-off defender. He had yes. two punt coverage snaps, I think, as a gunner. Uh, but that's... That's really about it. He was not heavily involved in special teams the way I thought he might have been outside of returning them. Um, yeah. Otherwise, uh, he had. Uh, those were, here. Go ahead. Those were snaps I was referencing before. So when I said mm. punt returns, I was looking at snaps. So eleven punt return snaps is where I made that mistake. There you go. It's all good. Yeah, he was not. He just wasn't heavily involved in that stuff. Didn't do any punt returning. Didn't. Didn't really get involved in a lot of other things I thought he would be to use his speed, which is greatly beneficial. So maybe we see an uptick there this year. I'm not totally sure. He was 13th among 15 qualifiers, and that's receivers in his rookie class. I customized the targets to look at only rookie receivers with 20 targets in the season. 
So the only two receivers with a lower receiving grade than him as rookie year were Terrace Marshall Jr., the LSU uh, huge letdown for Carolina. They selected him in the second round. And then Bennett Skorinek, Skorinek I think he I'm pronouncing that right. He was a, a transfer from Northwestern to Notre Dame, and he went to L.A. late. late uh, I don't know if he got picked. He did. He was a seventh-round pick. So he... He was among the, the worst. Playoffs, didn't he? he? He did. I think he was forced to. Like, Diami Brown was out in front of him at 12th in the class. Josh Palmer was 11th. Rashad Bateman was 9th. So he's not – it's not a horribly let down season in terms of, like, there are guys, Rondale Moore and Elijah Moore, that, that – you know, those guys got into the 70s. So it's not really lumping them in. But Schwartz was just not very good. He was not good enough. He was not effective in anything that we thought he would really be effective in. And I kind of found that to be surprising – considering brad how fast we know he is and how i thought he really looked like he belonged in week one i know there were some little hiccups here and there in that week one performance but i was like all right this guy looks like he belongs and then he just disappeared uh you know especially after that that square in route uh where he kind of got i i continue to say if you watch it a million times over you'll see that ball was so far and inside and high that he had no chance at catching it people apparently wanted him to do a hero act and jump dive and maybe (laughs) maybe his hero act like uh, a guy, you know, you've ever seen those clips of those guys who do that fake dive when they know they're not going to catch a ball carrier, and it's pretty yep. funny. It looks like somebody yep. pushed the pushed the square button on a controller. Oh, so yeah. if he if he does that, maybe it changes the course of direction of of Eric Reed, who returned that interception, and Mayfield ended up tackling him. And maybe that's a gigantic what if in Browns mm-hmm. history. But there was no chance that ball was being caught. Uh, it was a terrible throw. <laughs> anyway, he didn't really just he just wasn't involved much. And no. he had some opportunities late in the year here and there a little bit, but he just he wasn't involved much. But we should reiterate he is on a rookie contract, second year of that rookie contract. So he's making not making a ton of money. He's only 21 still. He doesn't turn 22 until September 5th. So that's an element. Obviously, a lot of growth that can potentially be there. And then uh, we're looking at two. Uh, and his his just pure receiving stats, what he did last year. So he went for 22 targets. He had 10 catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown. So we talked about that touchdown was in Green Bay mm-hmm. on a uh, on a little scramble throw for Mayfield. He had 41 snaps in the slot, 128 snaps wide, which I think wide slot wide snaps are uh, the thing I think it's going to be for him. He did not catch any of his contested targets. He was 0 for 5 on those last year. He, uh, he did have one drop. Uh, he did have one penalty, but he caught six first downs, and he did have a little bit of rushing sprinkled in. They did use him on some of those some of those reverses. He had one carry for 17 yards in Kansas, against Kansas City, but otherwise he didn't have any real blow-ups. He had two for 24 against Green Bay. He took a couple reverses in week six and seven that went for negative yards. So not not much in the rushing realm. Thirty nine yards on six carries. I think we would all like to see him used on some of that fly sweep and jet sweep stuff, and and some of those reverses. So I'm kind of looking at at this player last year. Is he kind? Is he who you thought he was going to be, or did you think he was going to be a little bit better, Brad? I mean, I thought he was going to be a little bit better last year. I'm not like. I don't have huge expectations for Anthony Schwartz. I guess I, I've never been like I saw the the um, the appeal with the speed, but I just have never been a huge fan, Jake. Uh, personally, yeah. uh, I, I don't have huge expectations for him this year. To be honest, uh, it scares me a little that 
the Browns are are appear to be so high on him or or are going to need him the way that they do. Well, what I would say he does well is no secret. I mean, he runs well. So sure, if they can push him down the field, give him some deep throw opportunities, then that's a realm where they can use him. But he's got to be able to track the football, haul some of those in, and be trusted as a not trusted, but a defense must feel threatened. You can you can say, hey, this guy's a speed guy. We're putting him on the outside, and he's going to run the lid off the defense. Well, they won't they won't care if they they know you're no. not throwing it to him. They don't care. So that's not always possibly uh, an outcome. It's not always a guaranteed outcome of putting a guy outside and letting him run down the field. It's almost a waste of a, of a body. So that, that, but that is his true skill. He has to find a way to use the speed. And if that's catching slants, if that's taking more jet fly sweeps, if that's taking uh, some reverse, he has to add value there. It does not appear. And again, you don't sign Jakeem grant as a returner, if you're going to continue to play either Demetric Felton or Anthony Schwartz, because I mean, as a return guy, because that just totally hinders the growth of those players in that realm. So they don't trust him there. They think he's going to be a receiver. I think there's so many things he has to get better at. I think the consistency in route running, I think the consistency of plucking the football with his hands and I mean, overall, just just being a better playmaker in space. I don't know that yeah. he forced many missed tackles last year either. Uh, I don't I don't see that number in front of me right away. But I don't I don't really think he he was a dynamic. Like when he got the football, I didn't notice any level of dynamic. He did not have a missed tackle force. So it's bleak. <laughs> what we're talking yeah. about here is bleak. But we should try to paint the picture on what is. What does bad, good, and great look like? What is progress, right? So he has 135 yeah. on 22 targets. If he gets to 40 yards and four, four, if he gets to 45 targets, 30 catches, 25, 30 catches, 400 yards, three touchdowns, is that, is that a good year? Is that yeah. progress for you? Is that what you want to see? Or do you need more from a third-round pick in their second year? All right. I'll say this. Okay, so we're talking – the things he needs to improve on for me, right? Like, we said speed. It's a no-brainer, right? But, like, you mentioned it already. Adjust to the ball in the air, right? Like yeah, ball he, tracking he has to get better. does not track the ball well, or, or it needs to get better. And, and his play strength. He, he is play strength, right? Like, he gets knocked around. Press coverage is a problem for him a little bit, right, because mm-hmm. of his strength. So that's something that he has to improve on. All right, you said... I had this written down. I had 30 catches, 450 yards, and five touchdowns written as my high. My that's a, So that's your top end, getting in the my, end zone five times. That's okay. my peak performance from Anthony Schwartz this year. Is if that, he's bad if he has another season like his last. Like if he has sure. another 10 catches or so, plus or minus a few on either side of that number, 150 yards, a couple of times, like it's just not, not going to work out. You don't see that. You don't see that work out very often. I'm with you. I think if he can get up over like to the 450 mark, get in yeah. the end zone four or five times, yeah. have 30 to 35 catches, and then you can look at a year three jump as a 23 year old. I think that's that that would be a nice outcome. He needs to show though, like you said, if he's going to be a downfield route runner, does he have any nuance? Can he hit double moves? Can he create body shielding at the top of those deep route throws? Can he run and track the football? 50 60 yards downfield when it's really difficult to track a football does he have those skills we have not seen them so we sit here and we have to say he has to get better at them 
but some of it still is opportunity, right? He's got to get some of those opportunities. I don't think he had many targets that were deep downfield outside of that Kansas City game. I cannot think of one play action deep throw his direction. So it is also, can he be created in either his earning or Kevin calling those opportunities, right? It's always kind of hard from the outside looking in to know if a guy has garnered that opportunity, right? Why won't they use Schwartz downfield? Well, a coach has to have an idea that that's going to work. You know, you've got to either show it in practice or in some form or fashion to give be given that opportunity. He is the guy on the team that makes the most sense doing it. They did not go get Will Fuller. They did not go get somebody of that ilk. And I think even though Donovan Peoples Jones is a more natural vertical route runner, he does not carry the burst and flat out downfield speed that Anthony Schwartz does. So unlocking this downfield stuff to give him, we talk about this all the time, Brad, What's your niche to stay in the NFL? If you're going to yeah. last past your rookie contract, you have to have something you do well. And he has to show that he is the guy downfield catching the football that would mean he is going to be that player for for a team. That could be Cleveland. That could be another team taking a free agent guess on him like a Bashad Perriman. But that's mm-hmm. what he has to do. Like He has to solve, hey, this is what I do well. If he's not going to force a bunch of missed tackles, and like you said, Brad, he doesn't have a great amount of play strength to be able to run through arm tackles. Is he, can he become, and I'm not, I'm really not saying this, but this is the body type of a Deshaun Jackson, that player. And Deshaun is awesome. He's so gifted. I'm not comparing them in any way, shape or form, but it's a similar body type, right? Very much a so. similar body type. So if you're going to be that type of guy who's going to win downfield, you have to add route nuance. You have to add some wiggle at the top. You have to be able to add double moves to run away from people. I don't have a ton of other off the top of my head examples of this type of player who is not shifty. He's not a stronger type, but he is a long lean, not even long. He's six foot. He's not six three. He's not long. He's just, he's an average height, 180, but he's got to be able to run. And I'm sure some listeners, some names are probably popping to your guy's head, but I don't really have a great uh, off the top of my head comparison, but he has to find a way to, to unlock that deep portion of the field for him because it's important for this offense and it's important for his NFL life, Brad. For sure. So if that was the high end though, I'll tell you that I would, I'll I'll say this though, Jay, if he got caught 20 balls for 300 yards and scored three touchdowns, I would say progress. Progress. Good. Like, listen, he just has to be that threat. Like, if you if they hit him for three deep balls that put him in the red zone, one gets in the end zone, he scores on a reverse and or catches a slant. Like do you know, if he puts together something where they do have to pay attention to him as a threat when he lines up outside, then he's done his job, in my opinion. Yeah, I would very much agree with that. But it, but to the point, you have to do some of those things before people say, exactly. "Oh, there's number there's there's Schwartz. We have to be aware of him running downfield. So if you want the defense to come out of the huddle and go, where's number 10, you might want to accomplish some of those things. So we'll see. <laughs> and again, some of these wide receiver things are hard, Brad, because a big portion of why people think the Browns receiving core might be better than what it is on paper is the quarterback play will get better. But we don't know what quarterback will be under center. So some of these sure. projections get dicey. Uh, about what's what's good, bad, and ugly for some of these guys. But I think we've pinned down where Schwartz is. He cannot yeah. replicate this past season. Getting in the end zone five times, getting over 400 yards would be a large step in the right direction. 
uh, something in between, like you said, 20 and a couple couple hundred, 250 would be some sort of better feeling. But at that point, if it's two years in and you're 250 and 130, like it's hard to see that player being anything anything special for you. So, yeah, um, I'm yeah, with you. leave it at that. Let's talk David Bell. David Bell is going to be a big part of this thing. So I think we all know David Bell pretty well by now. I would like to think, right? So he's he's obviously a very uh, a very gifted, just, just pure wide receiver. I think he does a lot of those things that natural stuff receivers do really well. What he's battling in here, what we're talking about is the athleticism. It's hard to say what a guy has to get better at as they get into the NFL. We haven't seen them with NFL competition, but I think the pay, the picture we paint here is a lot of people have high expectations for Bell, which I'm fine with. I think he, he has a potential to be a really good player, but you have to remember why he was there at 99. He does not have an elite trait off of athleticism in, in, in any form or fashion. He's not a great runner. He does have a decent first 10, so that does allow him his first 10 yards of the 40-yard dash does allow him to get to a top speed quickly, but his top speed's not great. His agility's not great. His explosion is not great, so he doesn't have anything that pops. But again, these guys that don't have it, they can still be really good. They can still be fine, but there's a lot of nuance to this stuff that we need to see. Will the route running we think is really good translate? Will the ball tracking that I think Brad is really strong Will mm-hmm. it translate? I I tend to think it will. I tend to believe he'll be a pretty good receiver in the NFL. Nothing special, but a really nice part of a wide receiver room, which for, again, he's picked in the third round 99. I believe Schwartz went third round above 99. I think he went in the 80s. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're kind of flipping a coin here a little bit, but I do like the pure – they went against the grain. They went for a guy who's a football player uh, based on what he did in college, less dynamic athlete, right? So to yeah. me, Bell has to, this is not necessarily a, what does he do? Well, what does he have to improve? This is more, what does he have to like? What is it? What is, if David Bell is good, he's overcome the athleticism stuff. Doesn't stand out all the time. The stuff about pure wide receiver play play strength is uh, and, and I was pretty surprised when looking at his data, he forced 25 missed tackles as a junior last year. That's a high number. That's the second highest in the yeah. college football. Um, at the wide receiver position for a minimum of, I think, like 30 targets. It's up there according to Pro Football Focus's data. So does that play strength translate? Can he do those things? If he's not, it's probably the reason he struggles, Brad. I would just think is purely he can't separate. He can't. He's overwhelmed athletically, right? Like that's the only avenue to him to him failing is he just can't, he yeah. can't find separation. He can't find getting guys off of him either in zone or man. But it's hard for me to envision him not being able to to do that because I've watched limited athletes like Jarvis right in front of our face be able to find some of those things, right? Exactly. Like his high intelligence, you know, he's got good strength, incredible body control. Uh, you know, I, I was reading a scouting report from, uh, is it Chad Ryder? Ryder? How do you I say think Reuter. 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 I don't know. Who cares? Yeah. We, we, we'll screw up names on this pod left and right. So <laughs> no disrespect, Chad. Lot. Yeah. No disrespect, Chad. NFL.com. Uh, but, you know, I thought this was very, you know, well said when you watch him, right? Like, so he wins with process over speed. Yeah. He has an ability to keep man coverage off balance with rhythmic route running and detailed footwork. While the Love tape, that. uh, great yeah, that's great, right? Like, but he has no fastball, right? He has no twitch, there's no explosion, so he wins with 
the stuff that Jarvis won with. Like it's it, it's right. It's the nuance. It's the body control. It's the 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 very uh, the detailed. He works hard. Like talk about his work ethic, right? Like he's gonna run precise routes. He's gonna beat people that way. He's very good in college, and you know, so far at least. It, you know, scouts think that he'll be good against press coverage because of those same things, right? Detailed, fundamental aspects of being a wide receiver that he's going to excel at. Uh, the problem is, like, when it comes down to just beating somebody with speed, can he separate, right? Can he... Uh, but I don't think that's what they need him to be is, is the thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think they do. I think they they need him to be a complimentary player um, who can who can face corners that are second corners, right? Not the top end corners and, and be able to win with stuff, the little stuff, the little wiggle, the, the extra step, the extra double plant, the extra little stuff that gets you open. I mean, and I think him with Amari Cooper is going to be a great fit in terms of a guy putting his arm around him and teaching him little stuff that Amari's learned over the years. Not that Amari wasn't a great, great athlete coming out of Alabama, but like, hey, man, this guy's a route technician, and, and you can spend time with that guy. That, that definitely is going to help. But I think in terms of the player, it's pretty obvious. I, I don't think he's going to have catching the football issues. I don't think he's going to have tracking issues. I think the route running and stuff will be fine. I think he'll be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there. It's just a matter of can his athletic athletic ability be something his, he's over to, able to overcompensate for? Can he figure out the ways to get open in the NFL? We'll see. That, to me, is going to be something we talk about after the season when we talk about what he has to get better at, what he struggled, what he did well. We're going to have to talk about the athleticism. Either it showed up or it didn't show up. To me, it's pretty cut and dry in that sense. Yeah. Does it translate? Does it not? I I tend to think that it will. Uh, I have high expectations for Bell. I, what, what's your – I'm interested to hear what you think. Uh, like, what's good to you? Good's middle, right? Like, what yeah. what's, what's a good season for you from him? He's going to have opportunity, right? So some guys right. selected in front of him will have less opportunity in my mind. I think if he can get to 650, I think if he can get around like, you okay. know, I think a pretty good rookie campaign is something around 650, six, seven touchdowns, get over the 50 catch mark and and prove to us that the athleticism isn't a problem. I mean, a great year and out of this world year would be an eight, 9,000 hundred year. I mean, you could, you could see that opportunity giving it him a chance, not out of this world. I mean, some people have really liked like, Hey, I'll take him for rookie of the year. Uh, and if you're going to give a guy like that rookie of the year, it's it's he's got to produce like that. And it, he could. Who knows? We got to go to camp and watch him. We got to watch him in the preseason to see if that stuff stands out. But I don't have that expectation for him. Some people do. I don't have that expectation. I think if he's in the five, six hundred range, that's a great start. You want to see potential. So hopefully you get some flashes of what he can do after the catch. Some of the stuff that's going to create openings. You want to see some of those zoomed in videos of him one on one and making a DB crossover, right? You know, talk about guys in a phone booth. Can you get away from somebody with a with a move, right? You know, comparing it to basketball. So, um, yeah, that's what you would love to see. To me, a bad year is, I mean, two, 300 yards. If, he, if, you, if you just, yeah. he's athletically overwhelmed, he only gets to the, 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 like, 25, 30 catch mark. He has issues dropping the football a little bit, gets only two, 300. I mean, I'm expecting him to get to 600 yards. Like, that's my threshold for him. I think yeah. he should be around that number based on opportunity cost. We'll see if his role is is like a right an immediate starting or uh, an, an immediate high snap guy. I don't know what that'll look like, but you know, I I, I think I, most people considered him to be like we're talking about the Cavs pick tonight earlier. 
a guy yeah. who should be able to step into the NFL and come with very little coaching, but it's just a matter of, yo, does he have it or not? Can he get open at this level or not? And if he can get open, I think there's a real chance for him to have a nice rookie season, which would be in that realm. I mean, he could get crazy, but I don't expect him to. I just would be bummed if he's only a 203, like a Terrace Marshall type. Like if he's that type of player who just never, you can, you could, he didn't have it. He didn't have it. So that would be the low end of that outcome for him. But I don't, I don't think so. I think he's going to be like, we're talking here, like a 50, 600, six touchdown type of guy, especially if Watson plays half the year. You know, uh, they, they talk about, you know, like he's been playing in the slot a lot, right? In, in camp. Um, and, you know, they want him to fill Jarvis's role, right? Like Jarvis yep. reincarnated. But that's a high expect. That's high expectations from, right? But, so, it's interesting the numbers you said. I, I You know, great minds, right? So, I had poor season down as 25 catches, 300 yards, 1 to 2 touchdowns. I had good as 45 catches, 500 yards, 3 to 4 touchdowns. And I had great as 65, 7, 50, and 7. Yeah, I think that's fair too. I think that's fair. You know, um, I just would tell people to temper expectations. Some people are going crazy with some of these things. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to come in. I could be wrong. You could laugh at me, but I just don't. I don't ever project rookies to come in and just just blow up the world. I mean, even sure. even first round guys, I get a little hesitant. You know, but uh, but he should be he should be a nice part of this offense. If he's not a nice part of this offense week to week. I'll be pretty surprised by that. I, I really will. I think he's got every opportunity here, um, which is different than a lot of other places, and and he should be uh he should be a nice part of it. If he's not, at least you know we're looking at this thing three, four, five games in. We're like, I haven't seen David Bell on the field much at all. Then I'd be really concerned. That'd be a problem. Definitely, it should be a big part of it. There, uh, just because there's not a bunch of growth here, Brad. Like I don't yeah. I don't think there's some gigantic. He's younger. Uh, again, to remind people, he is. Uh, He's 21 and a half, so I, I guess there could, but I just don't see the athletic profile that tells me there's a ton of growth from this guy there. I think he, what we see as a rookie at 22, uh, it, it should take that back, didn't turn 22 until December 14th at 21, is going to be for the most part what he is. There's some wiggle room there, but that's why people, you wonder, you watch his draft, you're like, why do people talk age and why do they talk athleticism? What's, what's everyone, well, that's where, you just have a large gap for what a player is versus what they could become. If he's sure. a limited athlete, it limits how much growth they can have, right? That's that's a real thing. If he's older, it also eliminates that. Like Isaiah Weston, the other the undrafted free agent, which we'll talk about tomorrow. Well, this guy's an elite athlete, but he's 25. He's going to be 25 at the start of the season. You just it's just the roundabout of athleticism, man, where you where you what's the curve? You go up and then you go down. So, um Bell is young. That works in his favor, but the athleticism limits the upside some. But the upside could all he could already be a good player. He could already be a good player. We'll see pretty quickly uh, how that how that all shakes out. Yeah, I think it's hard to because he lacks that explosiveness, and it's it's not something you can teach, right? Like that, you know, with with Schwartz, it's like oh, he's got to work on his play strength. They say, well, the the thing with David Bell. The issue that you say he needs to get better at is not something that he can ever really get better at. It's just raw athleticism that you're born with, right? So, so you know, I think your expectations are right on for him for this year. I think he will be a big part of it. If it's, if he's not, that's an issue. But I do think at the same time, 
like there's a non-zero chance that he could be really really good right away like because of that nuance in the body control and the rhythmic route running and the detailed footwork as chad said all translates to the nfl and all of a sudden you have kind of a hidden gem uh i think that's that's what the browns hope they got right i would agree with that very much they they need it they drafted him there because and again much like I'll, I'll read what kobe altman said about their pick tonight they view the player they selected um as a finished product. They think he's a step-in ready-made player for a team that's yep. close to the playoffs. I think that sounds pretty similar to David Bell. They needed what they thought was a ready-made wide receiver to come in and play for them in this situation because of how the depth chart looked. And that's why I think Bell will have the opportunity to get to 75 targets or so this year if they run more 11, which I think we're going to see an uptick in 11 personnel. So there you have it. Anthony Schwartz and David Bell, folks. That's what we think of them. Yes, sir. Uh, this has been uh, another outstanding edition of our crossover episodes between uh, the OBR Film Breakdown hosted by Jake Burns and All Eyes on Cleveland with myself, Brad Ward. Any uh, parting thoughts here uh, that you want to leave our listeners with here, Jake? No. Tell everybody to have a great Friday and a great weekend. And uh, appreciate everybody checking out this podcast wherever you found it, whether that's Brad's channel or my channel. And uh, appreciation to you, Brad, for always being willing to do these shows once a week, man. And I think the rapport has grown, and we're doing a we're doing okay. I think we're doing okay, brother. Blue Wire, you guys stick together. Yes, hundred uh, percent. Joint collaboration, crossover, all eyes on Cleveland, the OBR film breakdown, like we always do about this time. For Jake Burns, I am Brad Ward. Go Browns. Go Browns. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.